So the big question is this, how do investors like us who don't have a PhD in finance earn millions to start investing? How do we grow our bank accounts to build real savings and retirements and yet still have the time to do what we really love? That is the question and this podcast will give you the answer. Hey, uh, today we are looking at the market performance index funds. So these are the major US market index funds. Uh, huge for looking at how we've done in the past and how we can think we'll do in the future. It's really, you know, the basis of long-term plans and looking at long-term planning when investing in the equities market. Uh, it's really cool stuff. You learn a lot about the economy. Uh, it is a little more basic. Uh, it's just laying out, you know, the baseline for the history of investing, the history of the economy and how we can use that to project onto the future. You know, if it does well for the past, you know, 80 years, hopefully it'll do well, you know, some more. Uh, big idea is not the most difficult concept, but very important fundamental baseline stuff for long-term investing and long-term growth. Enjoy. Cool. All right, let's go in. Uh, all right, we're gonna talk about performance history today with uh, market indexes. So, height is mostly gonna be on the smart board, so shouldn't be writing a lot. Let's pull up good old Yahoo Finance. Um, we're gonna look at the performance history of the major market index funds today. Uh, index funds are just collections of stocks. Um, and they're sort of like ETFs and mutual funds, which we'll talk about later. But they're more for looking at the health of the overall market and determining, you know, how the overall market's doing. And if we can get to Yahoo Finance, we'll look at some of the biggest ones. Um, some of them are weighted, some of them are unweighted. We'll look at that. That just means that uh, the stocks either all have the same percent of the portfolio, if every stock is worth the same amount in an unweighted or equally weighted uh, index fund, or in a weighted one, stocks represent different percentages of the portfolio or of the overall index fund. When we talk about you know investing long term. Uh, especially for growing an account slowly for retirement or something. Most of the time we're gonna be looking at just trying to get the performance uh, that the markets have. And that's where we get that 7% number from before. That's from an index called the S&P 500. Uh, that's probably about the most popular one. Uh, it's it's you know standard and poor index. Uh, it's been going on for a very long time, good history. So. Let's go markets and hopefully world indices. All right. So let's start at the top and we'll look at the biggest ones for the US. So number one, S&P 500. It's the longest lasting one. Uh, you know, it's a basket of 
the top 500, some big top Fortune, not Fortune 500, but top 500 companies, and that's not equally weighted. So some companies like Apple are worth about 4%, while other companies like diamond uh, manufacturer importers are worth like point, I think 0.2% at the lowest. So the stocks are worth different percentages of the, of the overall uh, index fund, uh, but it's 500 companies, 500 stocks. You can buy, uh, you can look at the equally weighted S&P 500, which has actually performed better. I'm not gonna bother looking it up, this computer's pretty slow, but uh, the equally weighted S&P 500 versus the, the S&P 500, you can see a lot of the times the equally weighted one performs better in the long term. Uh, and that just means each stock is worth the same percent of the high. Hi, Ross. Yeah? Um, you know where, are you recording? Yeah. You mean pause or just talk? No, it's up. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay, I'll just go. Okay, on our chemistry quiz, did you get shift left or shift right? Dude, I'm not worried about that. I don't remember. So, uh, next is the Dow 30 or the Dow Jones Industrial Average. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is just 30 of the top, the biggest by market cap companies combined together. Um, Dow 30 is equally weighted, so it's just 30 companies, and then their total value added together is the price of the Dow 30. And that's the same with S&P 500. The price is just uh, the percent makeup of the overall index times the price of all the of the company added to each subsequent company times its percent of the index. Uh, the next biggest one, there's three big ones, S&P, the Dow Jones, and the NASDAQ Composite. The NASDAQ Composite is just every stock in the NASDAQ exchange. So New York Stock Exchange, NASDAQ Exchange, uh, the CBOE, and then you know OTC, I guess isn't really an exchange. They're all just exchanges where stocks are traded. Uh, the NASDAQ specifically is so popular because the NASDAQ is known for like tech stocks and you know some of those leading edge companies most of them will trade on the NASDAQ like your Googles and stuff uh, so the NASDAQ composite the price is just it's equally weighted it's all the stocks in the NASDAQ exchange it's a pretty good indicator of how those tech stocks and those leading edge companies are doing in comparison with the rest of the market uh, those are the three main ones a couple other ones to look at the NYSE composite, uh, the New York Stock Exchange, same thing as the NASDAQ, but with the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, price equally weighted, uh, all the stocks in the stock exchange. Uh, the Russell 2000, the Russell 3000, uh, Russell 1000, it's a privately managed fund by Russell, and it's supposed to be a wider range of companies. Uh, so it's the Russell. 2000 is supposed to cover 92% of all stocks, and the 3000 covers, I believe, 98% of all stocks. So that's more of a wider range of every single stock, basically, in the stock market covered. Uh, equally weighted, and that's the price. Um, it's different from the other ones because the Dow 30 are like high cap, and the NASDAQ have a specific sector associated with it, and the SP is managed and weighted differently. This one, just straight stocks with all the Russell ones. Uh, some other ones, some of these are foreign in foreign index funds. Those are some of the big ones. Uh, we can look at how they perform against each other with, uh, I want my cool 
great chart. I got it on here though. Major US market index funds. Make sense? Yeah, it's pretty. These are like the overall performance of the whole market. So when we look at these, see, that's not it either, man. 20 year return of major indexes. A lot of private funds, ETFs, uh, and mutual funds, what they try to do is they try to mimic the performance of these index funds. And by mimicking this performance, they basically get the, you know, they'll get major US market index. Major US market index. Not working, man. Oh, genius. Apparently, Bing's just not. doesn't like me. Thanks, man. Okay. So, here we've got the SP, the NASDAQ, the Dow Jones, and two of the Russell 3000 and the 1000. Uh, everything is pretty much the same except the NASDAQ. Uh, in 2000, we see the NASDAQ had this huge run up. That was the dot com bubble. And they've been outperforming recently. So the rest of the market, though, like the SP and the Dow Jones are most of your normal companies, uh, you know, your big companies that just aren't the tech ones. They've all had pretty consistent returns, and this is where we're getting consistent returns. And we've had the NASDAQ with the tech industry have some bigger returns. Those are a little risk, you know, there's more risk, more reward. You can see there was this huge crash here, and these just, it wasn't as significant. Um, but obviously, that was kind of a little bit of a bubble. So the NASDAQ's been doing great, uh, especially in the long term. We can see this 300%, so that's a 300% return. So, you know, a dollar in, you get $4 uh, as the return. Or, you know, you'll get a $3 return. So what's happening is your money over time is just sitting in the market and you have multiple entry points so you just keep putting money in no matter where the market is and over time it grows uh, and then obviously the ones at low points grow more but you know this is from 1995 to 2005 so if you just keep putting money in the overall market and bet on the overall market going up you're gonna see your accounts are gonna follow the overall market and since 
most of these funds, like the Dow Jones, the S&P, they've all been just about the same, except for the NASDAQ, obviously. The NASDAQ has been a little bit of an out, you know, it's been doing better. So a lot of people are getting into the NASDAQ stocks. Uh, the S&P 500 has been kind of like the, the longer term, uh, more conservative fund. Uh, if we look at, you know, the furthest chart we can have on here, it goes back to 1950. And this is probably what a lot of people were talking about earlier, but with, uh, let's do a one month candle. We can see that, you know, over time, the market crashed. There's been, you know, two major crashes. That was 2008 uh, housing crash, you know, with the credit bubble and CDSs. Uh, and then, you know, this downcline after 2001. But in the long term, when you follow the market and when you follow the indexes, since it has a big basket of stocks all together, the losses and the gainers are gonna combine and you're gonna have the stocks that go up and the ones that go down, but since they're all together, the whole thing, as long as there's more growth than decay, you're gonna have more increase than decrease. And so let's look at this. This was in 2015 uh, and it went to 1995. So the returns on the chart we just looked at are probably right about here. This is, yeah, that's right about to 1995. So, you know, you're 600, 500, 600 dollars. It's gonna turn into, I don't know, 2,200 dollars uh, with that initial investment because that's gonna be the first time you get in the market. And then as the market goes up and you keep putting money in, the money you put in here isn't gonna make as much as the money here, but it's still making money. And that's why it's important to just consistently get in, but also to start early. Because starting earlier, if we look maybe not as much as these downtrends, because you can always time the past, but you can't, you know, everyone wants to buy the, everyone wants to buy here and here, but no one, like no one knew where that was really, especially this first part. Uh, you can sort of tell with the stagnation, but it's a very tough call to play the market. Usually the best bet, I mean, this is a little, you know, this is obviously a big bull market because it just goes, I mean, there's maybe one drop. Uh, but instead of timing the market, for long-term investing, you can just look at consistently putting in, and when you consistently put in to these major index funds, I mean, they're, these, I mean, obviously, everything's pretty much the same except the NASDAQ. So, if you just invest in the overall market, you're gonna see good returns over time. Even if you lose money in the short term, you're gonna have money in here. Your price, uh, your, your average cost is gonna average, you know, if you put in 10 grand here, 10 grand here, your average price will be right in the middle. Uh, and you know, if you're putting in money consistently over time, your average price is gonna be much lower, obviously. And then when you know you want to retire or, or sell out, you sell out at whatever you know the higher price. Uh, hopefully, you know. You, I mean, people didn't want to retire in 2000, 2009, 2008, obviously, but they just had to play it a little bit more for the long term, which is really tough because a lot of people did lose a lot, and it was a really tough time. Uh, but sticking with the overall markets is gonna but, get. So this is like. What, year, what time period is this from? This is, I mean, this is 1984. This is what we were looking at. That was 20 years. This is so like, like, let's say 
in 20 years from now, there'll probably be a few more recessions, I guess, or whatever, but we're basically assuming that the market continues to go up over the years. Right? Yeah. I mean, there's Which, definitely pull, but yeah. Yeah. Sorry, what? I'm guessing. Yeah. So I'm guessing it's going to keep going up like this, even with the recessions or whatever, over, say, when we're 20 years from now, it won't be around the same price. Probably it'll be, what, what is that, three times higher than the, what we started at there? Yeah. Or four? Um... I mean, right around here's fifteen hundred. So, so, so I guess in this in twenty years it'll be worth four times what it is now, maybe. Well, it depends. You know, Even, it's the yeah. growth of the U.S. economy. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're twenty eighteen. Yeah. I mean, these are major world events that are causing big downturns, but yeah. I mean, you look at like, let's maybe get rid of our bias as like young people. Here's nineteen, like. I mean, I'm scrolling back and back and back, and every time I go back, I mean, it just looks like the same thing we're seeing. We got this huge curve to the right, but the U.S. economy just keeps going. I mean, we've seen, like, if we really zoom back, like, that's a pretty big crash. I mean, these are all, I mean, wars, uh, I guess not really, but, I mean, this is pretty big. This is kind of like what's happening right now. We see these ups and downs. I mean, usually it's about an eight-year eight years green and then we'll have a you know pullback i think that's about the average time of a bull market then followed by a bear market and you see you know ups down up down up down um but especially i mean this is just this all over again it's just doing the same thing i mean definitely long-term growth you can expect it to go up in the long term there might be you know we could pull down to like super low levels in the next couple months but in the long term we're going to surpass you know based off of the history based off of looking at what's it done before and that's why it's you know it's safer to just get in and just hold i mean especially with some of these bigger funds like i mean if you can get your nasdaq returns and the nasdaq keeps going up tech keeps being so profitable you're gonna get really good returns over the long run now an important thing to note is with equally weighted, uh, equally weighted indexes like the NASDAQ, uh, the Dow, and the Russells, um, you can get into those indexes just by buying, you know, the Dow 30, buy the 30 stocks, uh, the NASDAQ, you can get into that by buying every stock in the NASDAQ. Uh, you know, that's gonna have a lot of commissions probably. Uh, and the, the Dow Jones, I guess 30 trades, it's still a good amount of commissions. And then especially if you're doing that repetitively, that's a lot of commissions. So with funds, and if people want to mirror the S&P, which is more of a conservative fund, uh, with the other one, then they're gonna have to do a weighted entry and that's really tough. So a lot of the time, people will enter into these funds and try to mimic these fund returns by using index fund ETFs or exchange traded funds and mutual funds. So both of these are managed privately. Um, and you'll have a fund manager for mutual funds and you'll put it in and the fund manager manages a pool of money and that's the same thing with ETFs. Uh, the big difference is mutual funds, uh, when you trade with those, they only determine the price of the fund at the end of the day, so the four o'clock close usually. And you have to contact the person, you have to sell it, so you have to sell out to them, you can't sell it on an open exchange. And then ETFs, you sell out on open exchanges and they're just like any other any other equity, right? You can just sell it 
and just pay your fees to sell it and you're good. So a lot of the time people look at ETFs and mutual funds and it's important to, when you're looking at those, looking at the different types, looking at the different fees associated with them, because a lot of times you gotta pay you know, for a, a decent fee for mutual funds, uh, maybe you have to pay management fee or something for ETFs. So to mimic these markets, it's usually better to, if you, you know, if you have time to look at, maybe, maybe just go out and buy some of the top stocks or what a lot of people try to do is outperform the market with their picks. I mean, because like people outperform the NASDAQ uh, just by, you know, picking the best ones in the NASDAQ. Uh, it's more of like that's a long-term goal is to be able to beat the markets because when you beat the markets you compound much I mean you know compound interest calculator right if we look at like a 10 grand investment uh, over like 10 years at the average market return is 7% from the S&P. You know, it's uh, 20 grand almost. But if we look at maybe this, if you can outperform the market and get like 10% a year, 12% a year, I mean, 11% a year is gonna bring that 20 to 28. Like that's huge, that's, that's really big. So, and that's in the long term, right? So the stock market, you know, some years it goes up a lot, some years it goes up 20% in a year, uh, and then some years it goes down. Uh, the biggest drops have been huge in those crashes, especially. Um, so a lot of people will try to time the market and they can get like 20%, then they're getting crazy returns. That's much better than what we looked at. It's triple 7%. So when you look at it, uh, Really your return, you know, we talked about it. It's just the percentage is huge. So picking the right indexes and diversifying into the indexes is a bet on the overall economy, but you can bet in certain sectors that are gonna outperform others. And that's where you get into, you know, energy, tech, utilities, big caps like the Dow Jones, you know, huge companies. You think, are they gonna do a lot better or smaller caps with small cap tracing? market index funds that's that makes sense yeah I mean the biggest thing to look at is really just trying to match the market return matching the market return you'll be good uh, getting over it that's even better that's great uh, when you get less than the market return you might want to start thinking you know what's going on here do I need to change some of my investing do I need to change some of the strategies Maybe I need, if you're in ETFs, maybe you need to change your ETF, maybe get out of a mutual fund that's not doing well. Uh, a lot of times mutual funds and ETFs might be, you know, they're centered in certain parts of the S&P, like certain markets. So maybe you get a mutual fund that's based a lot on utilities and doesn't do that great because the utility, utility sectors, the S&P doesn't do that well that year. And that's why you want to diversify into different parts of the sectors. And look, uh, what where should I be should I change part of it because I'm not performing as well as the market the goal is the market return and historically if you can get the market return you're gonna be great I mean you know that's 20 bucks in you know 1950 to 
27. Of course, that's not before inflation. You, know, you would do, I guess, that's 1950, almost 70 years. So you do 0.98 to the power of 70 times whatever amount of 20, so 2600. There's 20, yeah, 2600 times 0.98 to the 70th is $632. So adjusted for inflation, you know, you start 70 years ago, that's a pretty, that's a very long term retirement fund. Say we do, um, we start, you know, at 18 and retire at 66, that's a little less, it's about 48, it's about 50 years. That's gonna be from 1970 to, or 19, yeah, 1970 to 2020, give or take. So, your first retirement fund investment is going to go from $72 and you know say you buy $10,000 worth at $72 um, of just the average market $72 is 139 shares we could say of the S&P 500 and those shares adjusted for inflation are worth that times 139. That 10 grand over 70 years, or over, over 50 years, is 90 grand. Like that's huge. And that's how you grow wealth is you get these assets and all of a sudden your money is growing for you. And all you really had to do was put a bet on the whole economy and bet that the whole economy, I mean, this is a 20 year chart, bet that the whole economy is gonna go up and just go into these big mutual funds or index funds, you can just straight up buy like the Dow 30. I mean, just buying the whole market and when the whole market goes, the Dow Jones. When the whole market goes up, you're making money, you're retiring. I mean, that's how it works. You look at the long term, and I mean, this is 1985, but you know, the money you put in earlier is gonna grow a lot more than the money you just put in, you know, 10 years before retirement. So when you start earlier, it's not, it's, it's the it's compound interest, compound effect. I mean, the earlier you put money in, the more of a difference it's gonna make than the money you put in later because it have more time to grow and it compounded on itself more. And with the S&P and the Dow Jones, you're gonna have dividends too, you can reinvest your dividends. So alongside the capital gains, you'll have dividend reinvestments from the companies that are make up the, uh, the index. It's cool stuff, makes sense, yeah. These are the big ones for America. Uh, sometimes people will diversify in international, international funds, especially with when they have like a lot of wealth, they'll try to get into international funds to diversify. Uh, it's really only when you have a lot to manage when you really wanna look at that. Um, I mean, these are huge charts, right? So, I mean, from here, 2000s, I mean, that's two years just on a chart. This is two years of price movement. So,
so the goal behind international diversification is maybe at the same time Europe does really well, uh, their whole markets as a whole are going to go up, or maybe they just stay flat, and it makes it so you have less risk with the U.S. markets going down. Because what we'll see a lot with, you know, if you're looking at specific stocks and trading specific stocks, especially recently, we see a lot of stocks that just follow these indexes. Uh, and a lot of the times the market goes up, the stock goes up, and if the market goes down, it can have a sell-off on the stock. And that's just, you know, overall psychology too. When the markets go up, most of the stocks of, of the good, you know, profitable companies are gonna go up. And if the profitable companies start making money, that's when we start to see these market downtrends. It's important because the overall state of the market, I mean, this is basically what the economy is. We see the, two, the, the, the housing crash, the, the economy goes down. We see bad economy after the dot-com bubble. And now we have this great economy. The whole economy can really be bubbled down to like a chart. I mean, this is the entire, this is the 30 largest companies in America, all on one chart. And it shows, you know, all the companies, or more companies lost money than made money. Uh, and the whole thing went down. And now I've got companies making money more than they lose money, and it's going up. It's just the state of the economy. There's more money flowing into them, and there's more money flowing throughout. So what these big index funds do, it's great. Uh, it's pretty important to diversify, and these index funds do a great job of that. I mean, 500 stocks in the S&P 500, 500 or 30 in the Dow Jones, um, don't worry about the uh, if it crashes or anything. If we're doing long term investing, right? Yeah, I mean long term, like you're basically guaranteed to see a crash eventually. But timing when the crashes is just no no one knows exactly when it's gonna happen. Sometimes you can look at it and you can say it's probably gonna happen here. And maybe a lot of times people do that. I mean Warren Buffett predicted the housing crash. He got that he got that well very great job there but it's very difficult to time the market because like no one knows if we look maybe at the shorter term no one really knows what's no one knows what's going to happen next you can do analysis to look at it you can do all the analysis you want but it all depends on who buys and who sells and how much for both of those sides Last thing I want to say today, um, this is the NASDAQ. The NASDAQ composite right now is a little over seven grand. The reason this is so important is because our economy right now says tech is worth so much more than it was worth you know, 10 years ago. Just a little, you know, 10 years ago, $2,500. When the economy grows, these markets grow, everyone prospers. And if you, you get a part of this, you get in this, you're making money. And that's what matters. That's how people retire. Uh, and especially people can trade this short term, you know. The dot-com bubble 
People laid them on a lot of money, people lost a lot of money. Here's a yearly bar graph, or a yearly candlestick of the NASDAQ. If we zoom back a lot, like, the market grows overall, the US economy grows overall, and these major index funds grow too. So being in them, it's a part of the economy, and that's how you can grow your retirement in the economy, is just by participating in it, and putting your money in it, and just leaving it there. Don't try to game it, don't do short-term stuff, just put it in there, and you're good. Alright, cool. Thanks, man. Uh, see you tomorrow. Want more stock market secrets? If so, go get your free copy of my best-selling book, 9 to Noon. You can get your free copy plus $11,176 of unannounced bonuses. It took me years to uncover completely for free at 9toNoonSecrets.com. Inside 9 to Noon, you'll find the top 38 secrets you can use to double your portfolio every two years and make upwards of 10% per trade daily.